Where were you on 9-11? If you're old enough to remember, two decades ago, I remember exactly, I was working for a pharmaceutical company, stopped by to get some coffee, and there it was, and the world stopped. How many of you remember where you were exactly? Yeah. What a tragedy. What a disaster. It changed our country forever. But what I'm getting ready to talk about is a worse disaster than that. It's taken more lives. It's caused more pain between families, children, churches, communities. You think COVID was bad? And it was a horrible disease. We lost many people. I lost people. But it's nothing like the disease that we're getting ready to talk about. The spiritual disease of pornography. It's destroying our community, our congregation. Divorces, talk to kids that can't even have a relationship with the opposite sex. It's killing us. Anybody ever have that sex talk? <laughs> you might remember from my age when we had the sex talk. Some of us didn't have one at all. We learned in the alley or the street, the locker room, the car. And then you ever have that sex talk with your kid? Well, first of all, every expert says it doesn't need to be a sex talk. It should be an ongoing sexual conversation and not just one talk. My first sex talk with Blake and Trevor. Blake was in first grade. Trevor was in second grade. We lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jinx East Elementary was right across the street. I remember them coming back home all looking cute with their backpacks on. Walking to the house and Blake, my wife and I are sitting there, their mom. And Blake goes, Dad, I know what this means. And her mom passed out. Mom goes, oh! And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, it wasn't me. I, it wasn't me. I said, oh, you, you know what that means, Blake? He goes, yeah. I go, what do you think it means? He goes, it means I want to sex you. <laughs> I said, well, let's talk. So she goes, it's all yours. So Blake and Trevor and I go out and sit on the back porch. And I said, guys, let's talk about God's great gift. It's a good thing. They're trying to make it a bad thing. And I went through the details and has always been trained to use proper terms. Don't do, use little silly kid stuff. Tell the story. Tell appropriately. Now, Trevor, my oldest, is a little squeamish. She's like, oh. Ah, Dad, can we get this done? Trevor's like, and what else? <laughs> I mean, Blake. Blake's like, and yeah, and yeah. So at the very end, I said, okay, boys, any questions? Trevor goes, no, can we go? And Blake says, Dad, this is incredible. you got to tell Mom about this. <laughs> <laughs> I think she knows. So we need to have the sex talk. I get to do it. <laughs> it's not because I'm an expert. In fact, it's because more of failure. I was not a virgin when I got married. I was not pure until I became to know Christ. I went through a divorce, and I struggled as a single man in Amarillo, Texas, and had to go through two years of restoration and out of the ministry because of my years of struggling with sexuality. I'm probably here because God wants to use a bad thing that's turned for good. And there's been freedom and wonderful, wonderful restoration. Jesus wants to have a sex talk. In fact, he gives the first sex talk can you believe the in Sermon on the Mount, one of the parts, it's a sex talk. So let's have that sex talk. Let's read Matthew 5, 21 through 31. And can I tell you, this was probably as shocking to those people standing around, the church people, the Pharisees. This part probably shocked them more than you're being shocked now. Matthew 5, 21 through 30. We're going to skip, actually. Jesus is going into our emotions all of a sudden. He is going into anger and lust, these two forms of human emotion. They're both God-given, at least sexual attraction and anger. He's going to talk about how you've tried to control the outside. We don't control, talk about the heart. They're matters of the heart. Anger, like I was feeling yesterday watching my football team lose by one point, or 
We're going to skip the anger part right now. Come back to that. We're going to talk about the lust part. So Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it was said that you should not commit adultery. Every good Jewish kid knew that. That's part of the Ten Commandments, Leviticus and Deuteronomy. But whenever Jesus says, but, something heavy is coming. I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery. You've had sex with them. If you thought about having sex with them, if you want to have sex with them, you've had sex with them. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. Wow. It's better that you lose one of your members. Excuse me, uh, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown to hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. This is the word of God. You sure? (laughs) That's a tough one. Let's pray. Father, what Paul said to his young charge, Timothy, (laughs) and I love this, don't have a spirit of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, one of power and love and self-control. I need that right now. We need that. Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. Pray in Christ's name, amen. The plague of pornography. We're going to talk about three things here, three areas. The prevalence. Do you know how bad it really is? It's not shaming. It's the truth. The problem. Do you know what it's doing to us, what it's doing to your soul, what it's doing to our kids, what it's doing to our families? (laughs) And then what's this cure? What's the prescription? How do we deal with this? I don't know about you. The prevalence of pornography. Gentlemen, if you're my age, older, a little younger, man, it used to be hard to find porn. Man, I had to go dig through my uncle's closets up behind the, behind the penthouses, the playboys up behind the, the shoes. Or my granddad had it stuck under there because every gentleman had, you know, porno- had playboys. They didn't even call it pornography. It was just a guy's thing. Or my, my brother and I, when we were crocking, we were so desperate. We were hitting puberty. We were like, what's going on? When my mom's Sears catalog came and she was at work, we'd look through the Sears catalog and look at bra commercial, pictures of women in bras. We were, we were just, and then came that kid that had that, that picture, and then came videos that started coming around, and you could sneak a video or get a video or see, and then came, you know, adult pornography shops and, you know, triple X, coming into the Bible Belt of Emerald, there's, oh, look at this wonderful skyline, XXX. Oh, look, there's an adult fantasy store over here. Oh, wow. Well, look, there's a, what, what is Hooters, Dad? What is, what is Twin Peaks, Dad? Well, it's not about the food, boys. You know, it's just, it's everywhere. Now, it, it, it was, we had to go find it. Here's the thing, parents. Here's the thing, young people. Pornography will find you. It will come after you. You're one click. You're going through your phone. You just put in somebody's name. A picture pops up. I'm studying on all the things in pornography. I'm in my office, and Shawnee's right there, and I'm kind of looking, you know, looking for resources, and all of a sudden, pornography shows up. I'm like, ah! Shawnee, you didn't, don't tell anybody. I mean, it's just like one click away. It's one click away from anything you want to see. It will find you. Here's how prevalent it is. This is from uh, Gospel Coalition. This is from Barna. This is from Pew. If you need these stats, we have them. They're not just making this stuff up. I wish it was. Two out of three men, Christian or not, view porn every month. Two out of three men view porn every month. One out of four men view porn every single day. One out of four. The average man thinks about sex every five minutes. Ready? Just kidding. Every five minutes. 83% of teenage boys are weekly users. 83% of our young men, 90% of college boys, and they get away and they're on their own, 90% of college men are weekly users. Now, you should just think it was a guy issue. 
when I was doing A and O, and a bunch of, you know, but Jake and all, we were doing a Bible study in the morning, and Nate and people, and we were going to talk about sexuality. And I'm like, well, I'm going to take the guys over here and talk about pornography. So the girls don't have to listen to that. And my youth uh, female, she said, the girls need it too. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, the girls need it too. 34% of teenage girls look at pornography weekly. 51% of college girls look at pornography. Guess what four businesses grew the fastest and grew the most during the COVID pandemic? Any guesses? Four industries. Well, that's close. <laughs> I like your answer. The number one thing that grew, of course, was Zoom, their finances. Uh, then, of course, uh, my wife added to this Amazon. It was like every day, the guy, hey, come on in, man. <laughs> so Zoom, Amazon, Budweiser Beer, and Pornhub. Pornhub gets, Pornhub gets 80, 68 million searches a day. Hardly any other site gets that. 42 billion hits a year. The sad thing, as you've heard, the average age of exposure for pornography is eight years old. In school libraries, on school computers, in churches. 90% of all are watched on the smartphone. The wonderful smartphone that we give our kids so we can keep them safe. If you don't have access to your kid's smartphone and every password, you're in trouble. My wife has access to everything I have. If you haven't given that to your spouse, your parents, you're in trouble. My favorite, besides Chronicles of Narnia, the favorite thing I read in um, college that changed my life was The Lord of the Rings. There's a new version of it out now. In The Lord of the Rings, there's a thing called a palantar. A palantar is a beautiful crystal, crystal sphere that when you look in it, it has beautiful pictures and beautiful images, but it's connected to Saran, the devil, the enemy, the, the evil one. And Saran has put these spheres all over Middle Earth. Whenever anyone picks them up, he can see into their soul. He can see where they are. Pippin is one of the hobbits, and he's a very curious hobbit. So Pippin knows that Gandalf has a palantir. And one night when they're all sleeping, and Gandalf has the palantir in his arms so nobody will look at it, it's covered up. Pippin sneaks over. And Mary goes, what are you doing? The other hobbit, what are you doing? He goes, I just want to take a look. And he gets this beautiful palantir. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. He starts looking at it, but soon the evil comes through the palantar into his heart and begins to possess him, and he sees everything ugly in death. And Saran says, I see you. And he starts to possess him. Gandalf comes out and knocks him out of his hand. Fool's took, full of a took, and takes it away from him. And Mary was talking to his friend Pippin. We need to have these kind of conversations. Why do you always look, Pippin? <laughs> I don't know. I can't help it. You never can. I'm sorry, all right? I won't do it again. But he will. Pornography <laughs> is looking for us. That's the prevalence. Let's talk about the problem. Oh, boys will be boys. It's just guys looking at pictures. It's just good old boys going to strip club. It's just a bachelor party. It's just girls looking at It's just, it's just sex. Just people are doing that. What's the harm? I've had single people look at me and say, hey, I'm not sleeping with my girlfriend. I've had men say, and I've said before, well, it's better than cheating on my wife. She won't have sex with me. <laughs> Not the issue. It doesn't hurt anybody. You want to bet? Here's what this says. Pornography destroys marriages. 56% of all divorces are due to pornographic issues. Pornography. Here's an interesting thing about high school kids right now. I've worked with high school kids since 1975. <laughs> Back then, and for most of our generation, it was the outward stuff. It was the fooling around the back seat of the car. It was the oral sex, the fondling. It was having sex. It was girls getting pregnant. It was STDs. It was drinking and, and over-drinking, and then it became marijuana use. It was all outer stuff. Can I tell you the good news, but don't be fooled by it? 
Kids are having less sex than ever. Less physical one-on-one sex. Pregnancy is down. STTs are down. Abortions are down in teenagers. Drinking is actually down. But here's the subtle danger. It's gone from outward to inward. It's now virtual sex. It's now pornography. It's now sexless relationships. It's now going through the phone. Sexting, sexual innuendo. Several, several years ago, there was a ring of high school boys in Emerald, Texas, getting ninth grade girls to think they were their boyfriends, taking nude pictures of themselves, sending them to the senior boys, and they collected them and shared them with each other until they got caught by the police. Virtual sex, private sex. <laughs> sex destroys young people's sexual future. Here's what's an interesting thing. Teenage dating is down, by, it's down to 38%. They only, 38%. When I was in high school, it was 85%. Everybody had a date. Everybody went to the prom. We didn't have 16,000 people go to prom together, which is fine because people aren't being left out. That's beautiful. But <clears throat> here's the problem. Here's the problem. They don't know how to have intimacy. I know a middle school kid a couple of years ago that said he was seeing a girl. That means talking. They were going together. Will you go? Yes, I'll go together. They only met through the phone. They passed by each other in the Crockett and never talked to each other, never, never touched each other. And they broke up with her on the phone, <laughs> texting. Sexless relationships. Porn causes erectile dysfunction in teenage boys. Do you know that? There are men and women coming to their, at 20, coming to their, their, the night of their honeymoon, coming to a relationship, and they can't be sexually aroused because pornography has burnt them out. John Mayer, the singer, Russell Brand, the actor who were sexual addicts and got treatment, said, I watched so much porn that when I fell in love with a beautiful woman, I couldn't be more aroused. I couldn't be with her because I'd seen so many images of these fantasy women. There's an all-time increase of kids that are never getting married because pornography and that fantasy relationship online is safer. It won't break my heart. It costs less money. Fewer people getting married. There's a sharp increase in our history forever, a sharp increase in couples that live together before they're married. Even the church, even Christian families, yeah, my kids live together. You mean they're having, they're adult, they're having adultery, they're committing adultery? Well, they're going to get married. Here's the deal. 70% of young people live together before they get married. Well, don't be such a you're snake in the grass. They're just seeing if it works. Well, great. Go try on some underwear and then take them back to the store. Couples that live together before marriage have the highest divorce rate. They've lost the sacredness. It's curable, but it's not healthy. Porn users have the highest rate of cheating on spouses because as a person thinks, so they shall be. Porn watchers are more prone to physical and sexual violence because you need more and more. Porn is more addictive than meth, heroin, cocaine, and alcohol. More addictive. One of the drugs that's more addictive is nicotine. The only other thing that's, that's, that's harder because of the half-life. Pornography is addicting. There's a thing. I'm just talking to my doctor friends and talking to child psychologists. There is a chemical in the body called dopamine. You've heard of this. And dopamine is the pleasure drug. It's the pleasure enzyme. When dopamine is released in the body, it's when you feel pleasure. When maybe your team wins. Not mine usually, but maybe your team wins. Maybe when you see your kids, when, you, when you're having fun, when you're skiing, when you're, when you're in love. That's dopamine. And the highest level of dopamine that's occurring naturally and healthy in the human body is when a husband and wife have sex together. That's the highest level of dopamine you can reach. But there's two other ways you can get higher dopamine levels. Artificially induced from methamphetamine and from watching pornography. How can you have a healthy sex life if you're competing with that level of dopamine? Here's the problem. (laughs) 
Porn use leads to only more porn use. You can't get enough. It has a short half-life. You have to have more. It has to be more extreme. You have to do it more and more. C.S. Lewis says that to indulge in your sexual fantasies is like giving salt water to a man dying of thirst. It will kill you. Every time, this broke my heart. Every time we use porn, we're contributing financially to child pornography and to sex trafficking. Every dollar, every dime someone spends, even any time you click on pornography, go ahead and write a check to the sex trafficking industry. Go ahead and write a check to a pedophile. Every time we look at pornography, we're adding to the worst crimes in our, in our society. Would you tithe to that? But shame is not enough. There's got to be more. How addictive is it? In the eight, before um, uh, white men came to Alaska and to Canada, I've been up there twice, the Alaskan area. There's a way that they would kill wolves. They didn't have gunpowder. They didn't have guns. They had bows and arrows. They had some traps. But the most effective way for them to kill wolves that were destroying their game, destroying their children, they, to, to catch a wolf was a very ingenious thing. They would take a, 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 a they had their knives were made of stone. They'd make these tall, beautiful stone knives, fine, fine cutting the edges. They would take that knife. In the winter, they would kill an animal and have the blood. They would dip that knife in that blood, then they would freeze it. Then they would dip in the blood again and freeze it and build up 9, 10, 12 layers of blood around this knife, this bloody knife, icicle of death, and set it in the ground where the wolves are. And at night, these ravenous wolves would come out. They'd smell the blood. They'd start licking and start licking. And they would have a fight around it. And they would lick that knife until they got to the blade. And because they were so bloodthirsty, they would keep licking until the blade cut their tongues off and they would die. Pornography <laughs> has death at the end of it. It will destroy. It is an addiction that you have to have more of. James says it like this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Here's the, the, the danger. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then listen to this formula. Then desire, the word lust. Then lust, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Here's James' formula for death. You let lust go, lust will lead to sin, and sin will lead to death. It will kill your marriage. It will kill your friendships. It will make you isolated. It will kill your relationship with Jesus. It will hurt you. Something's got to happen. What is the answer? What do we do? One of my, uh, I love this story and analogy. If you ever had to read the Odyssey and read Homer's stuff, the Greek myth, remember Ulysses. Ulysses is the great king of the Greeks, and he's the great captain, and they're going to fight, and they're in a ship, and they have to pass by, this area of rocks where the waves are crashing into the rocks. It's a dangerous area. Then they're in the channel, but they hear the sirens. The sirens are beautiful, voluptuous, gorgeous women, and their voices are so enticing. And what happens when ships, they begin to sing, and the captains would turn their boat, and the sailors would jump out, and they go to the shore, and their ship would be dashed against the rocks, and cannibals would kill and eat the men. And it was strewn with bones and shipwrecks. Well, Ulysses knows this. He's got to go past this. So he puts wax in his soldiers' ears, so they can keep rowing and we won't hear it. And he has time it to the mast so I won't be tempted. And as they go by and the sirens begin to sing, they're tempted. But, and, and Ulysses is fighting, but he says, don't let me go. And they get by. There's a great parody of this in the movie, Old Brother Where Art There, by the way. So prevention helps. We need some prevention techniques. We need some ways as a 
brothers and sisters in Christ to get some help? Are you using help? How do we tie ourselves to the back? How do we silence some of the sirens? Well, first of all, gentlemen, you need to be accountable. You need to have a guy in your life. Can't be your wife. She doesn't quite get it. My wife, I don't quite get all that. She doesn't quite get all me in this area. Gentlemen, do you have someone in your life that can say, how's your marriage? What are you watching? What are you looking at? Who are you texting? One of the greatest preachers in our generation that I've loved so much, a young man just lost his church because he was DMing a girl. It wasn't even about sex, but he DMed some inappropriate stuff. His wife even knew it. He lost his ministry. Who has access to your phone? Do you have a man in your life, gentlemen, young men, do you have a man you trust that says, what's going on with your phone? What's going on? How can we help each other? My friend Danny Byers and I have had some success. God's helped us in some healing in this. We are opening up a door for anyone. We are a thing called the Freedom Club, the Fight Club. <laughs> it's a great, great stuff. It's an app. It's anonymous. It's very confidential. And we're just helping guys. Check on each other. How are you doing today? What's your struggle? How's it going? What can we pray for? Gentlemen, if you need to be in a group like that, let me know. Let Danny know. It's all confidential. Women, you need the same with Emily, with Kelly, with someone. Get some help. Is there someone that's asking you about your sex life that's not your spouse? Single people, who's helping you with this? You need some help. Accountability. Spiritual disciplines, of course. The more you're in this word, the less you're going to be in this crap. The more you worship, the less you're going to want to do this. The more you see the heart of God in the face of Jesus, the less you're going to want your spiritual disciplines. Prayer, worship, Bible, solace, solitude, Sabbath, fasting. It'll help. Here's the big thing that I have to talk to some people about and I have to talk to myself about. If you're married, men and women, seek sexual satisfaction in your own marriage. Proverbs says, do not defile the marriage bed. Proverbs says, let your wife's breast be your own satisfaction. Don't drink from another well. Don't spill your flood out in the streets. Don't go to some fantasy woman that can never make you happy. You would never meet her. We need to have sexual fulfillment in your marriage. Sometimes it's tough. Get help. Get counseling. A lot of women look at me and say, this marriage is not working. He's been looking at pornography. I'm like, what's your role here? How are you helping? He's still responsible, but it takes two of you, vice versa. Paul says this, and I don't ever use this verse with my wife because it would be manipulation. But you know, Paul says, women, your body is not your own. Do not deny your husband. Men, your body is not your own. Don't give it to something else in your fantasies. It's not your body. It's the temple of God, and it belongs to your spouse. And no one else, even some fantasy person. Good marriages is the best sex. Everyone will tell you that, believers or not believers. You want good sex, have a good marriage. Finally, there's some prevention apps. I think we have some of these. There's a great, if you're a parent and you want to help kids, Every Young Man's Battle, Every Young Student Woman by Stoker. This is a great book, Every Young Man's Battle. The Fight Club, it's about men who are working together. Um, there's apps there. So look at all these. Uh, Ortland's book is phenomenal. Uh, Emily has some stuff also, uh, and Kara for women. I think, do we have any of that on here? Is that it? There you go. Freedom Fight, Every Young Man's Battle, Fight Club, The Death of Porn. Go to firstpress.com. There's a great list of resources there. No judgment. It's all anonymous. But can I tell you something? You can do all that, and that won't be enough. You can tie yourself to the mast. Just like every drug addict, you're going to find some way to get your hit. I know kids that their parents have taken everything away and they're in the school library looking at porn. They're, they're, they're stealing their neighbor's phone or grandma's phone. You'll find it. The outside's not enough. What else can we do? Well, we need a higher love. We need a stronger love. 
We need to not be less passionate and control our desires. We need deeper passions. We need deeper desires. We need to lust more for what God really has for us. You're settling for less. I talked to our friends struggling with same-sex addiction, attraction, or, or trans, or, or pornography. It's not because you don't love enough. You're, not, you're, you're, you're settling for less. God has the ultimate for you in the act of marriage, sexual intimacy, and you're settling for less. Now, you don't have to have sex if you're single. I'm single for a long time. You can live without sex. It's healthier for your sex life that you do not engage until you're married. And if you're not, God's going to give you the strength. He's going to bless you with his power and presence. C.S. Lewis says this. It seems that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, too weak. We're being weaklings. We're being pushovers. We're half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition with, when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a vacation at the sea. We're too easily pleased. Porn is not looking for more. Porn is settling for less. Sexual intimacy outside of marriage is settling for less. You're less sexual. You're less attractive. You're less of a man or a woman. Not to be shamed, you're just settling for less. I'm settling for less. John 10, 10. I've come here to have life and have it to the fullest. That means your sex life, married or unmarried. There's a fullness in Christ. We talked about Ulysses and the preventative measures. The rest of the story, another part of that story, is another, came, another ship came along with another king and his men, and they handled it differently. Instead of just putting wax in theirs and tying themselves to the mast, Jason, Jason the Argonauts, his soldiers, they did something different. He found a man named Orpheus. If you're into music, you need to know who Orpheus is. Orpheus, Orpheus is known in Greek mythology as the greatest musician, lyricist, and singer in the history of the world. His music and his voice was so enrapturing, you forgot everything else. Jason put Orpheus on his boat, and as they're sailing past the sirens, when they start to sing their enticing, tempting songs, Orpheus stands up and starts singing. His voice is so beautiful. It's so wonderful. Their stuff sounds horrible and wretched and disgusting compared to the song of Orpheus. And they're all free and saved. My friends, Jesus is singing a song over you. He's singing a song over me. It is so beautiful. It is so wonderful. It should drown out everything else. We should be enraptured with him as your lover as any fantasy beyond any passion you have because he has so much passion for you. He desires you so much. He died for you. That's why it's called the passion. You want passion. It's him. You must see him as the love of your life. We are his bride. He's our bridegroom. The bride, the, 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 we, we should joy. John says that the, the, the friend of the bride rejoices to hear the bridegroom, to rejoice in his voice. We should pursue the sacred romance above everything else. The last book, the last chapter in the Bible says this. The spirit and the bridegroom say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who's thirsty come now. Let the one who has desire take the water of life without a price. It's free because Christ died for you. You want to be really on fire? You want to be a passionate person? Chase the lover. What did David do? What does David do? When he finally is confronted, when he loses his child, his kingdom, everything almost. When he's approached, he confesses. It is me. I have sinned. And he asks God. He didn't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit doing it. I'm going to tie myself to the mask. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, um, you know, all these millions of sacrifices. He goes, no. Fix my heart. 
Don't recast me. Resistance is not enough. Restraint is not enough. I need a new heart. Not just clean my heart. Give me a heart transplant. I don't want to be just remodeled. I need you to tear it down and rebuild it from the studs. That's what Christ wants. So wherever you are in this, whether you're struggling a lot or used to struggle or have shame in your past or were abused in your past or been a part of any other sexual struggles, have cheated, have been cheated on, wherever you are with this, let's just have a time of, as the body of Christ, of confession. Have a time of just laying out your sexuality if you need to. Any shame, just leave it right here at the cross. Anyone you're worried about, anyone that's harmed you, your children, Let's just go with some silence to the Lord. Brandon's going to sing a song of confession that was written by some Catholic priests about David. Can we just go in silence, maybe turn the lights down a little bit, and we're just going to bring silently those sins, that healing. Decide what God wants you to do, because if you could be all upset if you don't do something about it. It's not going to change. If you want to pray, Kent's up here, others are up here. Let's just go and confess and be healed. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Let me be like you in all my ways. Give me your strength. Teach me your soul. Shelter me in the shadow of your wings. For we are your righteousness If we've died to ourselves And lived through your death Then we shall be born Again to be blessed in your love Create in me A clean heart, O God let me be like you in all my ways. Give me your strength. Teach me your song. Shelter me in the shadow of your wings. For we are your righteousness. If we've died to ourselves, and live through your death. Then we shall be born again to be blessed in your love. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Let me be like you in all my ways. Give me your strength, teach me your song, shelter me in the shadow of your wings, for we are your righteousness. If we've died to ourselves and live through your death, then we shall be born again to be blessed in your love.